Welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. This is a show where my guests and I explore and expand on all things mindset, leadership, and communication. On the show, I interview inspiring leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs from all walks of life, where they share their stories, experiences, and lessons. This is a podcast for you if you're looking to learn, grow, and accelerate your life, career, and who you are. Hi, and welcome to the Limitless Leaders podcast. This is our third year of releasing amazing interviews with CEOs, leaders, authors, and people from all walks of life. Today, I am super excited to introduce you to our guest, Leah Mether. And I want to share a little bit about Leah first. She's a communication specialist who helps make the people part of leadership and work life easier through the development of soft skills, which are really hard or what I call life skills. Um, Known for her practical straight shooting style, Leah works with leaders and teams across Australia, teaching them how to communicate under pressure, manage conflict, build relationships of influence, and lead courageously through change. Her work is based on the belief that soft skills get hard results and no one is a perfect communicator and that we can all improve. have to agree with that one. So Leah's first book, um, Soft is a New Hard, How to Communicate Effectively Under Pressure, was a finalist in the Australian Career Book Awards in 2020. And her second book, which I have in my hands, is hot little book, um, steer through the steer, sorry steer through the storm how to communicate and lead courageously through change was recently published it's almost hot off the press I can feel it so congrats on your new book Leah thank you so much and thank you for having me today I'm really looking forward to it absolute pleasure so your book has just come out like literally just come out yep and I can't wait to deep dive into a few bits of that and get a bit of a background on the on the book. Firstly, I always love just to get an understanding of how have you got to where you are today doing what you're doing? Yeah, so I've been running my own business for 13 years now. I actually started it when I was on maternity leave with my first child. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want the big break in my resume. I was in corporate communications before that. And before that, again, I actually started my career as a journalist. So connecting, communicating, building relationships has always been what I've done as part of my career. And when I first started my business, it was as a communication consultant. So a lot of what I'd been doing in corporate, a lot of media, advising, uh, message development. But more and more, I had people asking me questions about, how do you have tricky conversations? How do I be more assertive in the workplace? How do I influence more effectively? How do I, uh, you know, manage my mindset? So in 2015, I ran my first workshops as public workshops, um, one on goal setting that was called Remove the Roadblocks and Mindset and another one on effective communication. And It just all grew from there. I dropped off the consulting side of my business about five years ago now because 
I just love making a difference and helping people develop, like you said in the intro, the absolutely critical life skills, the human skills that are essential for our success regardless of what job we're doing or what industry we're working in. And life, right? Yeah, and life. That's why I use the term soft skills um, reluctantly. The only reason I still use it is because it's what a lot of organisations still use, so that's what they connect with. But very quickly when they start working with me, and hence the title of the first book, I make it really clear there is nothing soft and fluffy about this stuff. Communication and the people bit is the hardest part. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I'm I'm the same, I, I stopped using the soft skill terminology then people went, but what is it? So I went back yeah. But I think soft skills, didn't that terminology come from the Navy or something? Yeah, apparently. Apparently it came from there. And hard skills being our, you know, technical job-specific skills and this term soft skills, which unfortunately it made people think that the skills themselves were softer and fluffy. And then some people think, oh, so they're easy. But actually they are the tricky bit. Yeah, You're spot on and now more than ever we need those skills. And I think with rising, you know, AI, I've been talking about ramp up AI to combat AI. Big believer in AI for the right thing in moderation, but that humanness, you you, you can't replace it. And it's interesting when we talk about that because there's some really cool research coming out from a range of organisations worldwide um, the likes of Deloitte Access Economics, Combank, Google, and it's all saying the same thing. And we, yes, we know STEM's important, science, technology, engineering, and maths, but a lot of the research is saying the future is in soft skills, communication, emotional intelligence, and yeah. the like, because it's hard to outsource and automate. So if we want to future-proof our careers, these are actually the skills we need to be developing and investing in. I agree. And I think from even going in as a graduate in a business, you need that. Um, yep. We do a lot. We've, we've just bought the Roach Martin ECR into our business. So we've always taught a lot on EI or EQ. Um, and we bought that in a year ago and it's an absolute game changer. And where we're seeing the big shift is where we go into organisations where leaders are technically brilliant. Yes. They need to ramp up their emotional intelligence and it's coming up. It's a number one leadership tool now. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing, a lot of those leaders were promoted on the back of their technical skills and experience and they don't, they've never actually been taught how to lead. So I've certainly been in conversations and I have no doubt you have as well where a leader's been sitting across from me and they've just looked at me almost with despair and gone, why does no one tell you the people bit's the hardest part? Like I got here on the technical skills but I've got no idea how to people. No. It's even interesting. One of my really close friends, her daughters, they live in Trentham, which is out past Dalesford. Her daughter's always gone to Steiner and Buddhism schools and that's teaching you about life, school, life skills, bringing lunch as a an eight-year-old and sharing it and connecting yeah. with food, which is one of my passions. I love cooking and I connect through food. That's my love language. <laughs> But um, I'd love to ask you, before we go into the book, what what 
what does leadership mean to you when you hear that term? Because it is very, it's out there, it's a bit of a buzzword. Yeah. What does it mean to you? To me, if I had to sum it up in one word, yes. leadership equals people. <laughs> Management equals tasks. Yes. Leadership equals people. And that's not to dismanagement. There's lots of those technical uh, skills and task-based yes. scheduling and and things like that that are really important, processes, procedures and the like. But if we're actually talking about leadership, mm. we are talking people. Yeah. My, my mantra, I don't know if you've seen it, has been for years, people before process, before progress, because if you look after the people, the rest comes and we yep. just what, what's happened, especially um, post-pandemic. Yeah, and for me, the one I use, very similar to yours, is I always say people drive performance. <laughs> so, you know, the leaders who come to us saying, how do I get better results and, you know, more efficiency and yada, 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 it's people who drive your performance. So if you can influence based on trust uh, your people to want to do good work for you, that's where the real gains are. And I also, too, I'm sure you'll agree with this, Leah, when I hear leadership, we, we actually took leadership off all our collaterals a few years ago because what we do is, what a lot of what I do is mapping motivation, mindset and communication. Mm-hmm. Then people went, do you do leadership? Leadership to me is like the movie title or the end result. Yes. The, the components of it and that's what I love about this book, you know, it's how to communicate and lead courageously through change and we all know one of the constants is change. So tell me a little bit about the book. Yeah, so the book, um, I first had this the idea for this book not long after my first one came out. My first one came out in 2019 and is really about the foundations of effective communication. And at the time I was doing quite a lot of work in the power industry here in near where I'm from in the Latrobe Valley in Victoria, which is where you've got a region in transition. You've got a lot of the coal fire power stations that power Victoria that have closure dates. Uh, so they're looking uh, to transition those entire industries, lots, thousands of people. And I had a leader say to me at the time, Leah, how do I lead people through a change when it's not my decision? Yeah. I don't like it. There's no win in it for the people. Like, what do I do then? And he was uh, a senior leader, but he wasn't in the exec or uh, board level of this organisation. And it, it really got me thinking because I realised that there's a lot out there on managing change and leading change. Yeah. But for those people in the middle, those people who change yeah. is happening around them, yeah. Uh, and you might even be the CEO, but it might not be your decision. It might be a government change mm-hmm. or something happening. Um, a lot of those people don't realise that they have a role and a responsibility to guide their people through yeah. the best way possible. And we saw in this region where I'm from in Gippsland, in the 1990s, the State Electricity Commission was privatised and it was, let's just say it wasn't done well and yeah. people weren't looked after, they weren't supported through it. Mm. And it took years for this region to recover. There was, you know, a real victim mindset, people really damaged by the process. So even though this is a book with a global audience 
at its heart, the people I had in mind when I wrote it were people from my region going, you know what, we need human-focused leadership right now to steer people through the storm of change. So that was 2019 and then, Renee, COVID hit. And I tell you what, if we were ever going to see leaders have to steer through the storm of uncertainty and change, it was during COVID. And I really saw three main approaches from leaders I worked with during that time. I saw leaders who tried to steamroll their way through. It was just like, bad luck, this is happening, return to the office tomorrow or and just try to direct. Yeah. We saw leaders shirk responsibility altogether and pretend like they had no role because, oh, well, government's making these decisions and so oh, this just yeah. what it is. Yeah. And then we saw a few, not a lot, but we did see some brilliant leaders step up and go, even though this is happening and I'm uncertain too, I know as a people leader, I have a responsibility to support and guide people through the best way possible, still hold them accountable, but support them. And that was really the impetus for the book. I wanted to write a really practical guide that would help leaders through, whether it's big industrial or global change like uh, COVID or just small you might have a new IT system at work or or some change that's influencing. But I just, to be honest, it's all about making a difference. Change, yeah. it's just speeding up and I want people to be okay in the middle of that storm. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that analogy, steering through the storm and even being the storm because mm. that's where, you know, gift mindset's all about embracing the positive people and and experiences and the negative challenging people and experiences and using those lessons or gifts for good. Absolutely. Um, I loved one of your quotes here, get curious, not furious. I love that. I tell you what, that got me through COVID. Yeah, yeah. That that quote, at a time when everyone is so polarised and, you know, people seem to have forgotten how to disagree without attacking, um, get curious, not furious is really, really powerful. If you said to me, Renee, something that I totally disagreed with, my natural inclination might be to come back at you and say, well, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Curious, not furious encourages us to take a breath and ask a question instead. So I might say something like, wow, Renee, that's really different to how I see things. Can you help me understand how you came to that position? And that just creates space for me to calm down. It gives me the context because you might say something like, oh, Leah, I came to that position because this is what I went through. Yeah, yeah. And even if I still disagree with you, even if I still think that your point was ridiculous, I can then say something like, okay, so I appreciate that's how you came to that position, but for these reasons, here's what I think. And you're more likely to listen to me because I listen to you. Yeah. Curiosity is one of our 12 gifts of a gift mindset. So all over that, I think being curious helps us to provocate, navigate, and then create change. And we run similar getting curious as a team. If you're curious and you get creative, the byproducts collaboration. Yes. Um, And I think too, a bit like what you were just saying then, it's appreciating diversity of thought and ideas. Yes. Something that's not done enough. And I always say to people, if you hear 
if we talk in statements a lot of the time and we think in statements. So instead of saying that team is amazing, nothing happens, what makes that team amazing, flipping that yes. question gets you to provocate and explore possibilities. And I think it's a really big, I think it's probably the simplest, easiest thing to do. Pretend you're inventing a bloody vase. It doesn't matter. Get your team mm. to co-create. You know, yeah, like they're part of the change, even if it's been decided. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And you know, whether it's change or whether it's just something, you know, one that comes up a lot is where people say, "Oh, well, we've always done it that way." Yeah. And even curiosity there of going, "Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah. Why do we do it that way?" Yeah. The, there's a great story that I heard. Um, that just nailed this when we don't get curious. And it was about, you might be familiar with it, but it was about a woman who was cooking the Christmas meal and it was a turkey and she was following this famous family recipe that had been handed down for generations in her family. And it involved cutting up the turkey a particular way and roasting it. And she said to her mum, why do we cut the turkey this way? Like what? What's the go? And her mum said, I don't know. You'll have to ask Nan. It's just the recipe. It's what we do. And this woman, young woman, went and said to her Nan, you know, so why do we cut the turkey that way? And the Nan paused and then she said, because back when I used to cook it, the ovens were smaller and you couldn't fit the whole turkey in. And I just love that story because it's that example of we keep doing it without interrogating the why. Leah, I'm giggling and smirking because I tell that story. That's my keynote on the roast yes. lamb. My the one I heard years ago was the same roast lamb cut in half. Yeah, and then I could never find where I found the story from. And my hubby's like, I reckon. Now you've been telling this story for years, and now it's the turkey. But it's it's yep. about don't be that person that questions everything. But question, I say question with intention. Um, is yeah. It- important I think you know and just just lead lead with courage and 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 question things because there's nothing worse and I did it in my corporate life there was one year I'm a creative and I was in marketing and mm-hmm. had ideas and one of my ideas kept getting just backed and then someone came used my idea and yes. I got up and spoke about it and had a voice about it and I blamed myself for that I would never do that again. So I always say if you're suppressing something and it's important enough and you're thinking about Mm. it enough, then you need to express it. Yeah, and also what can help there if there's anyone listening going, oh, I'd love to be able to do that but maybe I don't feel courageous enough, explain explain your intent. Explain why you're sharing it. You're not asking a question to be difficult. You're not asking the question to, uh, you know, talk down someone's idea yeah explain the why behind it it might be I'm struggling to understand that or or help me help me see why you got to that or I want to ask this question because I want to make sure we've looked at it from all angles and you can that then yeah you can learn Leah with change you know and all the stuff I've done on change human beings we don't like change I do. Some people do. So most people don't because of the unknown and all that. But I notice a lot of people going through change always focus on what's changing instead of focusing on what's staying the same to have that stability. Do you agree mm-hmm. with that? 
Yeah, I do. I think, and I do think it's human nature. It's that primitive part of our brain, you know, the amygdala throwing us into fight, flight or freeze. So we are fighting human nature to a degree, but it's what we do next. It's whether we stay in that very human response or what we do next. But I, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of people stay in that, oh, my gosh, what's changing, what's not happening in a work environment because I do think a lot of change is not led well. No, a, lot of, a lot of it's not explained well. Um, and the other thing too, and I, I really tried to focus on this in the book, is sometimes I don't think we focus on the right things. We focus on in terms of when we're communicating change. We focus on this is what's changing or this is what's staying the same, but we don't ask questions like how do we want to navigate this change? What do we we want to be known for as a team? Mm. How do we want to work through this change? Because even if things are uncertain, even if you don't, know what the whole change is or or how it's going to impact you, if you can come back to some of that, this is what we want to be known for, this is who we are as a team and at an individual level, that can help you show up well even when it's swirling around you because I think we get stuck uh, in that piece around I call it a slinky. It goes around and around. But yeah, it's a spiral. Working every time there is a change, and and regularly, you know, checking in. And I think, you know, peer to peer as well, working on things, co-creating things, and you know, it's old, but it's so relevant. Understand or communicate the why of the change, because people only change when there's something in it for them. Yeah, Um, I wanted to ask you. With with if if for our listeners out there, and we have a really broad, you know, audience sort of out there, what would be three tips to help them steer through the the storm? Like three just top line practical things they yep. can do, Leah. The very top one I would suggest for you as an individual, and I just alluded to it, is start off with if you've got a storm going on around you, it's to start off with what do I want to be known for as I navigate this storm? Yeah. And this is a very personal question and I don't want fluff. I don't want what you think you should want the answer to be. I actually want people to think what is this for me? And it's interesting. I wrote this book as I navigated my own storm, a personal storm. I was actually going through a marriage separation when I wrote this book. So talk about uh, knowing the strategies work because I put them all into practice as I navigated that. And that was a question I asked myself through that process. What do you want to be known for, Leah? And I said, I want to navigate this really challenging time with nothing but love, kindness and compassion. Now, those words are easy to say. Not easy. How did it do? Yeah. How did it do, particularly at a time when there can be potential conflict. Yeah. But because I got so crystal clear on that's who I am, that's how I want to show up. As the storm raged around me, I could keep using that as a touchstone and saying, but this is who you are, Leah. This is what you want to do. So that really for as well. Yeah. It's like your um it's it's your values and almost like I always say you've got to focus on being before doing. Not that yes. I do that, but who am I being? And everything yes. come back to that, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that's where I would start. What do you want to be known for? And that's really about getting clear yourself on how you want to navigate the change. Understanding that we've got diversity of listeners, so not all will necessarily be people leaders. Uh, Obviously, it's a leadership podcast, but some may not be people leaders themselves. The next one I would say, and it is around that curiosity piece, it is connecting with curiosity and showing you care, whether it's to people you're actually leading or colleagues, um, connecting and showing that you care and asking questions. Now, for those leaders, and I work with a lot of leaders in industries that are pretty rough and ready where they'll say to me, don't do feelings, Leah. I don't do feelings and emotions don't belong in the workplace. <laughs> and to them, I say, well, that's great, except people are emotion-driven beings. Yeah. So we like to think <laughs> we like to think we're logical, but we're actually driven by emotions. So on that though, the curiosity piece, it's not just about being a good human, although that's really important, that's folks. It, it does help. But it's also the more you know and understand someone and why they might be resisting the change, the better you can work with and lead them. So it's actually really smart. The third one um, I would put in there is probably, oh, I'm tossing up. I'm going to mush two together here. Okay, I'll I'll go for because you do have to still hold people accountable. And I think this is what a lot of people um, forget about when they're leading through change. Yes, being kind and compassionate and connecting with curiosity, having empathy, hugely important. But that doesn't excuse poor behaviour. So making sure expectations are really clear when a storm is coming around you. Again, personal or professional life. It might be sitting down with your family or, you know, your partner or your kids if you have kids saying, you know, how do how are we going to behave and how are we going to hold each other to account? Because during change, if you don't have those conversations and that accountability, some people can behave in really, really poor ways and it does enormous damage to a team, more damage a lot of the time than the change itself. So you have to hold people accountable. And the last one I would just throw in there as the fourth is to make sure that you're being consistent because if your words and actions are misaligned, people will believe your actions every time, like that old cliche, you know, actions speak louder than words. It's really true. So if you're telling your staff that you want them to be showing up and continuing to work positively and being respectful and the like, you better make damn sure that you are living that too and modelling the behaviour you want to see in other people. Oh, they're awesome, all of those points. And they're ones, if you're listening or watching, just jot them down. They're not hard to do, but just make that self-reflective time, which many people don't, so that you can really go, you know, attention in and 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 feel and, and have a strategy around that. Yeah, and I think with this, and this is one of the conversations I have with leaders a lot, right, they, you, we talk about things like you and I are discussing now and you occasionally get leaders go, oh, that's too simple, I need like a, a more complex strategy. And here's the thing, they're not doing the foundational stuff. So there is no point going to more complex or nuanced strategies if you are not doing the basics of leading yourself well so that you can lead others effectively. You just 
there is no point going to that next level if you're not doing the basics right. And again, these are basic, but don't conf- they're simple, but don't confuse simple and easy. Yeah, because do. this stuff is hard to do because you're emotion driven as well, and the change will affect you too. Yeah, it's spot on, and I'm a big believer. We all lead self decisions and maybe a team. We we Leah, we run leadership programs, comms, and all EQ, you name it, to graduates that don't have a team. So yeah, I'm listening to this. You're a leader of self before anything. Hundred percent. To lead a team like you just said, Leah, you've got to go inwards. And get that foundation right, you know, how how you're showing up, your ownership, not just your accountability, yeah. you know, your emotional intelligence, all of those different things, so, so important. Yeah, it starts with you, right? It starts with you. You can't yeah. you can't go to a coach or someone else saying, How do I fix that problem person in my team? Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't started by interrogating yourself first, that doesn't mean everything's your fault. Uh, but we have to start there. And I think you're right. It's going back to basics. You know, we're post not bringing up the pandemic, but I'm going to. I think everyone came back, I'm going to change this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get balance and I'm going to get to understand my team and I'm over these Zooms, so I'm going to do a lot of one-on-one. And then everyone's, a lot of people, I shouldn't generalise, but many I'm working with have defaulted back to Mm. what they know, what they're comfortable with. Even if you take five minutes, and those that follow my podcast, I like practical, five minutes just to go in, who am I being, what do I need? Yeah. Um, and, you know, be that be that beacon for others. Mm. Yeah, I love there was a little um, sort of blurb or summary in your book, page 154, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, but one thing, sorry, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in every any given set of circumstances to choose one's way. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom. I just I like know. So my philosophy, when I read that, I went, oh. Yeah, that is a very, very famous quote from a man called Viktor Frankl, and some listeners may be familiar with him. He said those words in the 1940s in a classic book that a lot of the most successful people in the world uh, credit as being the the book that was the game changer for them, and it's called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was a psychiatrist. And he was also a Jewish man. He was a Jewish man who was imprisoned for more than three years in concentration camps during World War II. His entire family was killed by the Nazis. And he was in Auschwitz and he came out and he said those words you just read. And it still gives me goosebumps every time I read those or hear them or speak them because I, I say them in almost every workshop. Yeah. We can't control what happens around us a lot of the time, but we always, always get to choose our response. And there's a story I share in the book that um, really drives this home and it was shared with permission from the lady who shared it with me. But it's a woman who during COVID went into hospital with an injury to her leg and 
she had the stitches taken out and in went a superbug. And she ended up with a really bad infection. And she'd done training with me a couple of years beforehand. She contacted me last year, so last year being 2022. Uh, She contacted me early last year and said, Leah, I just want to let you know how I've been using uh, that work, particularly the Viktor Frankl quote. And she told me her story, which was when that superbug went in and the infection took hold, she actually ended up losing her legs, both legs. She ended up with a bilateral amputation. And she's a business owner. She's an incredible uh, Indigenous woman. And she lost both legs. And she contacted me last year to say, Leah, I just want to let you know that the thing that's keeping me going right now is coming back to those words and the work we did in the the workshop around choosing our response. Because she said, I can't change the fact they've taken my legs. And I'm not Pollyanna. I've been to some really dark places through this. But... The thing I keep coming back to is the legs are gone whether I like it or not, Mm. how I respond. Yeah. That's what I have a choice about. And I cried when I read that email because I just thought, you know what, I teach this stuff. Could I do that? Could I I do that? I'd like to think I could. But it just was that reminder that you can hear words like you just read, Renee, and we can go, oh, yeah, that that's pretty powerful, that sounds important. But and it actually, saying, back to what you said before, it sounds easy, yeah. but it's not. I always say thoughts equals feelings equals actions, right? So the only thing we all have freedom is the choice of our thoughts. doesn't matter if you're male, female, old, young, we have mm-hmm. the choice of thoughts. So it's just be careful what you're thinking and in relation yeah. to change, I'm very into doing reframes and and yes, you know, flipping that. Um, just quickly before we could go forever, but I just wanted to ask you: How does gratitude, appreciation, praise, recognition, whatever your company calls it, but how does gratitude tie into change? Great question. Because as you said earlier, it we get so many gifts from change. We get so many gifts from change. And gratitude, like um, any tough time we're going through, can, again, it's it's another one of those strategies that can too easily be dismissed as a fluffy extra or, you know, not not meaty enough. But, again, through tough times of change, being saying what even little questions, what went well for me today? Yeah. What am I looking forward to tomorrow? It doesn't have to be big. Um, what I what am I grateful for? It can be, you know, that more targeted. And during COVID, those were questions that I worked with a lot of teams on, you know, just what went well for me today. For some yeah. people was it was I got out of bed. Yeah. I got I'm here. On time. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Um, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? Those basics of gratitude at a time when things are tough can be what, again, working on our mindset, they can be just what helps lift us to see that there is a bigger picture out there and there is always something to be grateful for. Oh, there is. And there's always some gratitude's what got me through COVID with, every, with my sister and every business and everything and you know, always is thinking about who and what I'm grateful for as well. We yes. Off, Leah, all our team workshops, we kick off with that. 
who yeah. I'm grateful for. And you get things like, Mary, I didn't thank you the other day with that thing you gave me. Yes. I had this whole other idea. I love how you mentioned they don't have, I think people think they have to be so big. It can be the smallest thing can, you know, as we know, can create the biggest ripple. Absolutely. So just before we finish up, I've got three little questions or four little quirky questions. What Beautiful. What is your favourite word? Oh, I know I gave you a favourite word. Mm. I can't remember what I said. So, What is it? <laughs> well, actually, no, I can remember what I said and what I can't say on the podcast. I will confess my favourite word starts with an F. And um, people can probably work out what that is. For a comms professional, it's not one I'm dropping very often. Uh, however, I've got to say, I've got a sign on my wall beside me that says maybe swearing will help. In an appropriate time and an appropriate place, I am partial to ex- okay. expressing myself with a word that really just sums it up. Um, that would probably be it. Oh, Renee was my my word. I, I can't remember. I don't think I got. Oh no, I did. I did get your favorite word. You had um. No, my favorite word's not suitable for this podcast. <laughs> you know what's ironic? And those I was sitting out there. If you go back four episodes, I interviewed Adrian Bellagion, who wrote "Teams That Swear." by each other, not to each other. And the whole podcast, we talked about the benefits of swearing. It actually raises your pain threshold. So that's what I'll say next time my mum tells me off. Um, What is your favourite sound? Noise. Uh, I'm really lucky. I live in a beautiful country area. Um, So I'm often surrounded by birdsong, which I actually really love. Um, Getting out into nature, that would have to be it. But I am very partial to live music as well. So give me an outdoor concert, a music festival with some, um, you know, great uh, folk music or rock music or whatever. I'm eclectic taste, but give me outdoor music festival and I'm a happy lady. Yeah, I love, especially when they have the markets there as well. Yeah. Last supper, what would it be? Oh, look, this is so unsophisticated. I actually love going to beautiful restaurants and eating delicious food. It's one of my guilty pleasures and not guilty. I have no guilt around it, I've got to say. But if it was last supper, how bad is this? But really well-cooked hot chips with plenty of chicken salt, that is hallelujah. They've got to be worth it, though. Yeah. Cooked in crappy oil and soggy. but beautifully crisp cooked hot chips. I reckon you go duck fat for your last supper. Yeah. Yeah. But that's going back to part of your philosophy, which is it's the simple things and it's the small things that can be That's it. And my last question for you is if you were to pursue another profession, what would it be? Another profession. You know what? If I was to change gigs, I would probably go back to journalism. Yep. I love journalism. I it's it's unfortunately a dying art now, but there are still some brilliant journos who do it very well. Yeah. And um I love writing, love connecting with people, so I'd go back to that. Awesome. 
Hey, you sort of got to look at what you do do. I was talking with someone else this morning about this. Like all the things I wanted to be growing up was a performer, a teacher, a journalist, an author. Yeah. And there was something else. And now I do all of that because we write. Yes. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, Leah, how do people, first of all, how do they get a copy of your new book, Steer Through the Storm? That was a book, huh? How do they get a copy? Uh, you can get it on pretty much any uh, book retailer that you usually use. There's an audio book, ebook, paperback. Uh, if you want to buy it direct from me, you do get a signed copy with a bookmark and some little extras. You can do that through my website, which is just leahmetha.com.au. But all your usual platforms, if you plug the Steer Through the Storm by Leah Metha into Google, you can pretty much buy it anywhere. Okay. Awesome, Leah. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I, every podcast, I'd always think it's me because I love talking, but I just have the best guests and I could just talk to you forever. Um, one just word or phrase you can give to people right now that they can take away. Have a crack. Have a crack. Have a crack. It's my top business value. I'm underpinned by I came up with six really uh, practical, clear business values that speak to me. And the one I absolutely live by is have a crack. Life's too short for anything else. It is. It is. Thank you so much, Leah. And we'll have all Leah's um, contact details in the links in the show notes. So make sure you grab a copy of her book and leave a review. Before, yes, please. Before we, we, we sign off, I just want to share our new game. So we've created a team game, um, myself and the amazing Shelley Flett, and this Ooh. game is all about appreciating diversity of thought and boosting communication. And, you know, I'm not going to go through it all, but you can go to the two, so the number two, two sides in two minutes. And the premise of the game is to choose a lighthearted or serious topic, talk for it for a minute, against it for a minute, everyone else in the group gives you feedback based on the feedback cards and then you get a remedies book that can go into your development plan. It's fun. Shelley and I both have values in our business of fun. So two sides in two minutes, you can get the game and we've also got a program around that as well. But just get the game. You can play it in your team huddles, conferences, offsides. Love it. So thank you again, Leah. Awesome to have you. you. And um yeah, thanks for listening in and please send through your review on the podcast or if you have any topics or podcast guests that you would like me to explore on the Limitless Leaders podcast. Thank you for listening to the Limitless Leaders podcast. So you don't miss an episode, make sure you follow the show in your favourite podcast app. Feel free to share this podcast with your family, friends, and work colleagues. If you're enjoying the show, find out more on what we do at RG Dynamics at www.renegeruso.com. Until next time, be limitless.